hey, if there's a broker in an area that um, is sending you deals, respond back to every one of their emails. Say, hey, thank you for sending this to me. I really appreciate it. Um, this is a little bit higher priced or lower priced than I'm looking for. It's not quite size or quite area. Continue to provide them feedback because I can guarantee you these brokers send out emails to hundreds and hundreds of people with very little response. But if you're there trying to communicate with them, build a relationship, they're going to think of you um, when the next deal comes along. And by giving them some of that feedback, they're going to know exactly what you're looking for. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, and they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospects. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Hey, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexhammer. With me today, I've got Drew Whitson. Drew, how are you doing today? Good, Todd. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, Drew, uh, we met. I don't know, maybe a, a year or so ago. And Drew's actually uh, basically my neighbor. His kids uh, are in the same grade as, as, well, two of his kids are in the same grade as my daughter. They bike to school together uh, quite a bit with the, with the neighborhood biker gang. So that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, and then uh, your son is a grade older than my son. Uh, so pretty, pretty cool. And, and we... Uh, I don't know. We we've been in the same neighborhood for a while and haven't met each hadn't met each other until uh, fairly recently. So yeah, um, I wanted to bring Drew on to uh, just talk about you know basically his business and what he's got going on. So Drew, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you've got going on uh, in real estate and and everything else that you have uh, that you're doing? Sure. Yeah. So uh, so yeah. Th so thanks, Todd. Um, yeah, really excited to be here. Uh, so on the real estate side, you know, I, I started out like a lot of people in single family home markets and, um, you know, later moved on into multifamily doing smaller three, four units um, and started partnering up to do some bigger deals. And um, eventually I ran out of money and uh, sort of came across the ideas of syndication and have been sort of working on syndication deals for the past couple of years, both here locally in the Twin Cities um, as well as Memphis, Little Rock, um, closed a deal in Atlanta earlier this year as well. So, so all told, I'm, I'm probably at, I don't know, seven or 800 units in four or five states, most of those through the syndication, through a syndication model. Um, I also, in addition to that, work as a uh, full-time professor of finance at Bethel University um, here in St. Paul. Um, it's my wife and my alma mater, and um, after I was able to quit my job um, doing real estate, you know, about a year and a half ago. Um, I realized that I wanted to do kind of trying to decide what I want to do with my life. And um, as a real estate investor and syndicator, it's not a it's not a full time job. And so I wanted to do some something else in my life. And 
um, Bethel came knocking, and um, so for the last year I've been here as a full-time uh, faculty member teaching upper upper class uh, finance courses. So what did you do prior to um, quitting your job for real sure. estate? Sure. So I was uh, in corporate finance. I uh, got my MBA from one of the uh, University of Minnesota here in Minneapolis, and I spent about 10 years with Target Corporation um, doing various financial uh, corporate finance roles, planning, forecasting, strategy, uh, work. And so really kind of worked my way across uh, sort of Target's financial pyramid um, and really enjoyed sort of the chance to be there. It was right in downtown Minneapolis. Um, it was a great organization to be, but um, um, just had too many other opportunities in real estate that I wanted to capitalize on. And um, in addition to sort of the real estate, I also do some coaching and consulting work in real estate. So I have Coach like you, Todd, I have coaching students across the country and who are you know, getting their own deals done and sort of executing a plan to do syndication and um, growing their portfolio and becoming sort of financially free one deal at a time. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So you quit your job and then you decided to go get a job. Yes. E explain explain that to me because most people are like ah, I quit my job this is the greatest thing ever and I'm yeah. never going to work for anybody ever again but yes. you quit your job you're doing the syndication you're doing well and then you go hey I'm going to go get a job yeah yeah exactly yeah so I left my uh, I left my job at uh, my corporate job my w2 job in early 2018 um, focused on a tremendous amount of deals that happened in in, in 2018 we had several 1031 exchanges. We bought into some deals uh, new into the Memphis market. We closed some big deals here in the Twin Cities um, and started really being deliberate about managing my portfolio. So, you know, while I had the chance to kind of have my own time, um, I had the, the resources to, you know, not have a job. Um, I think there was this, this part of me that said, um, what is it that I want to do to serve in the world? I mean, I, I like investing. I like I like making money. I like helping other people invest in real estate. But there was a sense that I wanted to contribute, um, in, in contribute meaningfully um, in, in a different way besides just doing real estate. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I took the a, a job working, you know, at Bethel as a professor um, for a couple reasons. One was I really enjoyed. I had a great experience as a student here and had a lot of people that invested time and energy into me to help me be successful where I am today. And so I wanted another way to invest in other people. Um, and this was, this was one of those avenues. Um, I really love uh, finance. You know, I really love the, the finance track and sort of teaching financial uh, modeling, valuations, managerial finance strategies. I have a lot of things that I can do to bring um, from my professional experience in the corporate world and professional experience in the real estate world into the classroom. Um, and frankly, it was a job that really complements um, my real estate investing. I had a great chance um, as a uh, professor, they want you to be doing professional development. Well, they, they love hearing that I'm sort of structuring private equity deals. Um, and at the same time, I could take those kind of experiences and bring them into the classroom. Um, and I have my, you know, I have my summers off in order to pursue more real estate deals and have more time with my family. So I sort of get to have my cake and eat it too with this job. I have two, two sort of great, um, you know, complementary career paths, both of which are very, very flexible. And that's why a lot of people don't want to have another job is they, they want the flexibility. And, and with my, my role as teaching, um, I have a tremendous amount of flexibility. 
And unlike my pre previous employers, where I sort of um, didn't want to talk readily about my you know, side hustles and my real estate work, um, they're both, they're very eager to have me continue to do that. They're very supportive of me, you know, presenting at conferences, doing speaking engagements, um, and really promoting the kind of things that I do um, um, associated with their brand and in the classroom. So what is it, what did it take to become a, a college professor? Did you have to go back to school? Did you have to do anything or what did it take? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly in the business department, you need at least an MBA is the minimum requirement yeah. um, to teach. Um, you have to have um, pretty good financial resources because I tell you, they don't pay very much here. It is a privileged life and it's a great <laughs> life, but it is, it is not uh, at a small private Christian university um, you're not getting much of a paycheck, so you have yeah. to um, you have to want to be there. Um, and I think the third thing you really need to provide is is a, a significant amount of real experience that complements the discipline that you support. And so um, my real estate work, my corporate finance at Target, um, I even started my career, um, you know, in a, a small investment bank over in St. Paul. Um, those okay. a lot. Of, I, I my history aligns really well to the kind of classes um, that they want me to teach, and I think you just kind of got to you kind of got to raise your hand and say you're interested in doing it. Um, it's um, it, it, there's few opportunities for this kind of to come along, um, and I had been uh, sort of a friend and connection with Bethel after I graduated for a long time, but that sort of helped me position myself well, so when the opportunity came up, I could be part of the part of the candidate pool. So, so tell, uh, tell me um, now with this, with your real estate, you said you started out doing smaller deals. What, 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 what was that transition? Like, why did you go from, you know, smaller deals and now you're syndicating large multifamily deals? What, what was that transition like? And, and then what was that decision? Why did you do it? Yeah, sure. Well, I had built up a small portfolio of single family homes. And while I really enjoyed doing that, I felt like I didn't have enough capacity to do more. I, I was managing them myself, dealing with tenants, working with, you know, contract providers. And um, I knew there was people that had scaled much bigger than that. And really the trick for me, really the exciting part with doing multifamily was that I could get professional property managers who could take on the responsibility of all these things that sucked up my time. Um, and for me, it was an opportunity to trade my time um, of managing assets, um, pass it off to people who are really good at it, who really know um, exactly how to manage tenants and comply with tenant laws and work with vendors um, and trade that time off for finding better and newer doer deals, finding partners on deals. Um, and so it was, it was a way to scale very quickly uh, where I could focus on acquiring high quality cash producing assets at attractive prices and then allow people who are professional property managers to take care of that for me and provide that kind of advice um, that really allowed me to scale. I um, mean, uh, I think the, 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 the bulb really went off as my first two deals was a threeplex. I did a fourplex and then um, we did uh, my partner and I, we did a 32 unit. And the realization we had was that our 32 unit was as much, if not less work than the three and four unit. We had a commercial loan. Hmm. We had a property manager who walked the property with us and knew exactly what the tenant base and what the property needed. 
Um, and the lender was more interested in the underwriting the uh, 32 unit than they were um, underwriting me. Like they wanted to know I knew what I was doing, but the lender really was interested in the 32 units um, performance rather than what Wells Fargo wanted to know about me on my fourplex, right? And so the, the, the focus shifted to the asset. It was a smoother deal. Um, it was much easier. And so um, the bigger the asset got, in, in some ways it kind of got easier. You could scale very, very quickly. And um, after that 32 unit was when we realized, let's keep doing this. Let's go bigger. Let's find more deals um, and leveraging you know, people and investors in order to you know, build a portfolio. And that's just what we've been doing. Cool. Now, talk talk to us a little bit about that scaling process and and maybe what it took to to do that. What what are some tips that you can give our listeners to help them be able to scale? Because obviously you've done it uh, without full time. I mean, you're doing some coaching and you're teaching, and you're also scaling your real estate. So, what are you doing to make it work? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So here, here's what I, here's my suggestions would be. Um, as you have the opportunity, uh, and if you have the capital and the time, I think there's three different paths that you can go towards in order to kind of get to the larger uh, syndication deals. One is do some things on your own. Find a duplex, find a fourplex, buy some things on your own account um, where you can make mistakes, you can work on your own timing, you don't have to worry about investors, right? Find some things you can do on your own to build your balance sheet, gain some experience. Um, number two, Passively invest in other people's deals. Um, uh, find ways to sort of passively participate in larger syndicators' deals um, in order just to kind of follow along. What does the underwriting process look like? What does their marketing packet look like? Um, once you purchase it, what do the investor relation components look like? So start to get, sort of start to buy into some deals that get you some experience and how these things are structured and put together and managed. And it gives you a right as a passive owner to ask questions of the general partners and ask questions um, of the ownership entity um, to kind of learn how it works. Um, and then really sort of, I think, you know, three would be um, help other people do deals, find ways to, you know, partner with um, people, help them raise money, help them uh, put in some of the risk capital on a deal. Um, so find ways to help add value to the people that are putting deals together. And then finally, after you've been able to kind of go through those first you know, three steps, I think you're really well equipped to be able to start doing deals on your own, to sort of be the lead syndicator, uh, be on the general partnership, because you've built some experience, you've passively invested, and you've helped other people put deals together. And so I think that's a real natural progression in this business that gets you the balance sheet, it gets you the experience, um, and it gets you sort of the... Um, the kind of credibility that when you're ready to do this on your own, you can address and be comfortable talking with investors um, and talking with lenders and talking with property managers and talking with brokers about what the things that you've done um, in preparation for, you know, leading and executing your own deals. Yeah, no, great, great tips there. And quite a few things that uh, or a couple things that I really wish I would have done earlier on. And I didn't even quite frankly know and a lot of people didn't know podcasts now educate people so much more. And just I think there's overall, there's just a lot more education out there. Um, but I had no clue you could passively invest in other people's 
apartment deals. I had right. no clue you could help raise money for other people's deals without taking the risk on yourself of doing your own deal. Um, it would have been great to know that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at a younger yeah. age, it would have been a lot easier to scale at an earlier uh, phase in, in, in your kind of learning curve. So it's, yeah. it helps you get to that space a lot quicker where you can now do deals on your own. Yeah, for sure. For Absolutely. Sure. Cool. Um, so what's a, what's a big, you, let's go through a mistake that you've made, maybe a bigger mistake that you've made and how have you learned from that mistake? Sure. Um, I think one of the mistakes that I made early on was that I were I was buying deals only for the appreciation. Mm. Like I bought some deals to say, look, I just think this is undervalued. Uh, and I, I sort of failed to really take into account the ability for properties to cash flow. Right. And and that the valuation of any property is its ability to create cash. Um, buying a property only for the intent of refinancing it in three or four years, I think is a really big bet. I think that has some risk characteristics that are appropriate for part of your portfolio with some of your investors. Um, and so I wasn't buying properties for cash flow. And I think that there's been some, I think had I have done that right out of the gate, I would have made different decisions on the acquisition. I would have made different decisions on how much capital we thought we needed right out of the gate instead of sort of constantly scrambling, uh, having properties that didn't produce cash, having to write checks into the deal. Um, I think that that's a, that was one of my mistakes. So I think I've really evolved in um, wanting to have a really healthy balance um, in my deals of finding things that can produce cash in the first year, um, um, as well as having some value add components to them. So I'm getting some appreciation and I'm getting some cash flow, but the deal is not contingent upon what's going to happen in four or five years. The deal is um, partially creates value because it, it puts out cash in you know the first six to nine months um, that you own it. And I think it, I think it also makes your it makes you accountable to your investors as well. If I tell my investors um, I'm going to produce cash in the first six months of my deal, I better be able to do that. You know, but if I say, hey, we're going to refinance in three or four years, I, there's no metric for them to measure whether that's happening um, or whether how to, how to gauge the risk of the deal. So I, that's my first thing is really move into buy properties that produce cash um, right out of the gate. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice right now. So many people aren't doing that. I see a lot of deals that uh, they're just, it, it has to appreciate. Um, the market has to continue to go up in order for the deal to work. And that can be dangerous. I mean, having value add is, is one thing, but you want to be able to have cash flow. Um, and creating that extra value is great. But if you can't cash flow, it's just, it's not worth doing the deal, especially er fairly, fairly early on. Um, you should be able to start to cash flow. The other thing that you said is not having enough cash on hand. And I think that's extremely important. Uh, I've definitely learned that lesson um, several times uh, is it's, it's very easy to underestimate how much cash you need. And then, as you said, you're scrambling to be able to find the money after the deal's already in place and running and, and you're looking for uh, a little bit more money to continue the deal. And that, that's never a good situation. Yep. Absolutely. 
we don't know how long this this uh, cycle is going to last. I mean, it could be another eight to ten years, but it could also be another you know year or maybe even less. And uh, if you're stuck in a situation where you've got no cash flow and you've got uh, a lack of cash, period, uh, then you're going to be in a very bad position if the economy does uh, take a turn. So. Correct. Um, Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments, hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. I want to invite you to join us at the North Star Real Estate Conference. This conference is September 20 and 21st in Minneapolis, and it's going to be packed full of a ton of great speakers. We've got uh, just a, a great group of people speaking. You can look at our lineup on our website, nreconference.com, and sign up there as well. We've got an early bird special. All you need to do is type in early bird, one word, and uh, you can get $100 off. And that's good through August 10th. So make sure you sign up now. Take action. Look, people that take action and value their education are those who are going to succeed. I know there's a lot of free content. My podcast is free. There's all kinds of free content out there, maybe even free meetups that you're attending. But this conference is going to blow your socks off. This is going to be well worth the price. And all the profits go to charity. So it's definitely time to take action. Sign up now. Don't delay because the prices will go up. Um, but you know what? Every time I attend a conference, I 10x. Actually, I would say I'm more like a thousand X even my investment, a hundred, a thousand, potentially even more X my investment. I've met so many fantastic people. I've met investors at conferences. I've met potential partners at conference. I've joined mastermind groups because of conferences. So it's a ton of value. You cannot replace it. So check it out. NREconference.com. Thanks a lot. So for somebody who's, who's um, trying to get to that next level, trying to either get to where you're at or maybe just even get started, what are, what are some things it takes to get there? I mean, I, you've already kind of covered some things in, in scaling up, but what does it just take to get to that next level? Sure. Well, I think one of the advice that I give people who are sort of dabble on the fringes of this, of this industry is that there is no substitute for just taking action. 
Um, I, I've, I've met a lot of people who listen, who've read every real estate book that exists. They listen to hundreds of hours of podcasts. Um, and that's great to do. Um, but taking action is where you are going to learn things. Um, when you take action and you do something, that is when your, your, your learning curve and your retention goes up absolutely uh, dramatically. So you are better off um, not reading your 11th real estate book, but spending two or three hours um, driving around, talking to brokers, talking to lenders, networking, getting in front of people to tell them your story, um, to be able to articulate what it is that you want out of a real estate deal. Um, and so that would be my encouragement is, um, you know, make, take action, do actual things besides just absorbing information, take action to execute and learn. And that is where you are going to, um, you know, really grow in your uh, ability to understand deals, put them together, um, be able to raise capital to kind of get you to that next level um, isn't, is, uh, is engaging in those actions that lead um, to doing certain things, to, to leading that, to getting deals done. So when is it too early to take action though? Because we all know people who maybe take action potentially too early, right? And, and mm -hmm. they maybe make a fool out of themselves or uh, <laughs> whatever. Right? You just, they take action too aggressive, too early. Uh, when is, when is too early? How do you know you're ready? To yeah. Take great, great question. Well, I think there's a couple things. I think if you're, if you're just, if you are um, sort of all by yourself doing this, that's probably a good sign, right? I, I think you probably want to find some partners, um, some people who are experienced in the industry. Um, there's a lot of really great mentorship programs out there um, that can provide you coaches. If you have the capital and you have the money to do that, um, hire a coach, hire someone to, who can come in and help guide you and help, help you understand and um, help you not sort of embarrass yourself. Uh, but I, you know, finding partners at real estate meetup events, getting to meet people in person, I think is going to be the uh, first thing. Ask, you know, listen more than you ask questions, or, you know, or listen more than you speak, I guess would be the kind of term. Really just try to absorb, um, you know, try to absorb what people are telling you, find the people that you sort of want to emulate and have a career path or have a real estate path um, and ask them how, how you can help them, how you can help their business. And they're happy to bring you along, um, you know, and, and they're happy to sort of share their information. So finding the right key mentors and partners in this business um, to sort of help guide you towards what's the right action to do would also be a really good, uh, really good strategic idea. Cool. Awesome. What's a, what's a, maybe a daily or weekly habit that uh, you do that leads to your success? Yeah. Um, this is a, this is, you know, while we spend all the, all our deals are analyzed as a math problem. It's how many dollars come in versus how many dollars come out. I mean, that's the, that's the math of what real estate investing is, but the core of it is it's a relationship business. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a relation. It's a business that's built on trust. Um, it's a relation. It's a, a business that's built on um, familiarity um, with common goals and alignment. And so one of the things that I'm always trying to do is spend time personally connecting with the people in my network um, that can provide me, um, you know, that, that I can help and that they can help me. And whether it's, the, the bankers that I want to sit down and talk to just to find out what, what kind of deals they're doing. How do I understand what they're um, working on? 
and how might you know, what their bank does be a good fit for my business, whether it's the brokers that I want to be able to constantly be working with, whether it's my investors or other partners. Um, you can't sit in front of a computer all day just looking at numbers. You have to get out and meet people. You have to develop those relationships and you have to be intentional because there's a lot of people clamoring for uh, attention. There's only so many deals out there. And so one of the things that I tell some of my coaching students is, hey, if there's a broker in an area that um, is sending you deals, respond back to every one of their emails. Say, hey, thank you for sending this to me. I really appreciate it. Um, this is a little bit higher price or lower price than I'm looking for. It's not quite size or quite area. Continue to provide them feedback because I can guarantee you these brokers send out emails to hundreds and hundreds of people with very little response. But if you're there trying to communicate with them, build a relationship, they're going to think of you um, when the next deal comes along. And by giving them some of that feedback, they're going to know exactly what you're looking for. You know, they don't have to sort of guess. Um, so just be intentional about connecting with people. Um, and building that relationship. Yeah, and I, I really like that. I was at a, uh, a real estate event of speaking at, and and somebody was asking me that, like, well, you're buying these properties out of state. Why do you think you can get these properties that people that are in that market, why, why can you get them and they can't? And I said, well, quite, quite frankly, they have every opportunity to get them. They probably have a better opportunity than I do. But the thing that I do differently oftentimes is I actually intentionally build relationships and I, I intentionally stay on top of those relationships. A lot of people, whether they're in the market or out of the market, they're not spending that time on building those relationships. There's only a handful of people that, that actually keep that relationship being built with that broker yeah. that respond to the emails that are sent to them that call mm -hmm. them and thank them that are we weekly or bi-weekly or you know whatever even monthly communicating with those brokers so that's that's probably number one is mm -hmm. just being intentional about your you are trying to find deals and and these brokers like you said they they send out hundreds of emails but they get just a couple people responding. And even though it's a busy market uh, right now and multifamily, it's still a pretty small world. Um, it's still a pretty small amount of people that are truly doing the deals in the markets. And, and if you can stand out and be one of them, you're going to have every opportunity to get some of the better deals that are on on the market. And there's, there's quite frankly, there's just not a lot out there. So you've got to work even more uh, diligently at building those relationships. Exactly. I mean, just to reference, so uh, your listeners know you and I closed a deal together as partners um, in mid May. And the reason that deal came about was for the exact reason you just said um, it was in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm not from Memphis. I live in St. Paul our you know, my, our, our area. Um, but I was there in person because I was trying to connect with our property manager in person. I just wanted to connect them in person and see what they're working on. Yeah. Um, and it was because I was sitting at the table with them um, when we said, hey, we're looking to acquire something else here in this market. They kind of raised their eyebrows and said, well, you know, there is this totally off market deal that we're working on um, that we would be interested in you know, seeing if this would be a good fit for you guys. And if I hadn't, if I hadn't spent time developing trust and uh, a good relationship with that property manager on the deals that I already owned, um, he wouldn't have wanted to give me another deal, right? If I hadn't been there in person trying to, you know, 
build that relationship and understand what's happened in the market and really wanting to partner with them to be strategic about being successful uh, to work with their firm and to work with their market, that wouldn't have happened either. And so yeah. that purely came about, that was a purely off market deal that was sort of handed to us because we'd established all those pieces of trust that knew that when they brought this to us, um, they could put their reputation on the line for us as buyers. And they knew that we could partner with them to execute uh, a great strategy that was good for um, our investors and good for the community. Well, and talk about relationship building. I mean, the only reason that then I even saw the deal was because of the relationships that uh, you and I had, had built mm -hmm. uh, as well. And with that deal now, we'll open up the doors to doing a lot more deals potentially in that market or other markets surrounding it with the, those brokers involved and even other brokers um, that have seen that we closed on a deal. So, yeah. and a sizable deal at that. Yeah, it, it is, it is stunning at even um, in, even in these like major markets where, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars gets traded hands that is controlled by probably a, a half dozen primary yeah. uh, people that operate in the market. Yeah. And because we built relationships with them, I have them on speed dial and they'll take my calls. And if we say we're interested in something, they will know they'll be an advocate for us because we performed in that market. So uh, it's really important for us to maintain that reputation and that relationship um, in those areas. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So Drew, where do you see yourself uh, taking this business in the next, you know, let's call it five or 10 years. Where, where, where do you want to grow? Do you want to maintain? How, how are you, what's your outlook? Yeah. Uh, great question. Um, maybe I, you don't know. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's I think there's three things that I'm really um, that are my goals for the next five years. I think one is um, I want to preserve the I want to preserve the work that I've created. I really want to be very careful about managing the existing assets that I already own, making sure that we're um, managing those really well. I don't want to get too excited about doing more deals, but ignore the existing portfolio that I have. I really want to make sure I maintain. Um, the the wealth and the income um, and um, really be looking out for my investors who've already put their trust with me. Super, um, super important. And I appreciate you mentioning that because there's so many people out there that have these big audacious goals and they, I, you hope that they're focusing on their current portfolio. As you said, your current investors, you want to make sure you're taking care of them first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, you, you hear a lot about getting deals done. You don't hear a lot about how do you, how do you thoughtfully manage the asset? How do you thoughtfully work with your investors? How do you thoughtfully work with property managers to execute capital improvement plans? And so just cause you got the deal done doesn't mean you're sort of set to go and the checks roll in. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of work to do. So number one is making sure I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my investors and my portfolio healthy, making sure it's well capitalized, um, uh, I think I think two is um, you know so that that's number one. I think number two is figure out ways to grow uh, very strategically because um, there was a point in time where I was I was willing to look at any market with any asset and sort of just kind of wherever growth can happen. I think you know, number two in the next five years is where do I have partners and existing assets that complement really well to what I already own? Right, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really interested in Memphis and Little Rock and St. Louis and Birmingham because I have, I know the partners and the players in that area. 
There's other fantastic markets, Salt Lake City, um, Boise, Phoenix. I'm just not as well established there. And so it is, it is to my, my benefit and my investors' benefit that it's very efficient to expand my portfolio um, in ways that are adjacent to what I already own. I can move quicker. I have a higher level of confidence. I think it's better just for my investors. So I think I want to be very strategic about, um, you know, number two is kind of where do I expand that is strategic. Um, and I think number three, it's continue to find ways to not just make money for myself and make money for my investors, but how do I really impact the communities that I am involved in? I mean, it, it, is, an, it is an honor to own hundreds of units in the Memphis market. Uh, but I want to point not just towards did I make money in that market, but is the community, are my tenants better off? Is the neighborhood better off? Um, is the is the city, you know, to, to the extent that I have an ability to influence um, those areas, what am I doing strategically to be to be good partners um, to the community? Um, so that's I think that's the number the third thing is how do I find ways to sort of um, do good for myself and my investors, but also do good for my own personal community and the communities that I invest in. Um, and to that extent, I think that's good long-term business as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and I think that's why I get along with you very well is because these three things that you just mentioned are very, very important to me as well. Um, you know, and, and that just speaks to, I think, uh, you know, who you are, you're trying to find ways to impact others in the community. And that's, that's just super important, at least in, in my opinion. So yep. uh, good for you. Um, a couple questions before we wrap up. What's your favorite book, Bus business related or real estate book? Uh, business related? Well, you've probably had all, you've probably had all of the, um, you probably had all the sort of the classic ones on your podcast. So I'll throw some maybe you haven't had before. Um, there is a book uh, I read called Against the Gods, um, and it is a book about the history of risk management. So it's a little, it's a little bit of history, it's a little bit of math, um, but it's 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 called the story of risk. It's called Against the Gods, and it kind of goes back to um, the premise that a lot of our ability for Western civilization to expand has been predicated on our ability to understand and manage risk you know, and how did mathematics contribute to that? So it's a really neat story that I've sort of, I thought back a lot that this business is about manage understanding and managing risk. And so to the extent that that book sort of shows where the history of that has come, like how did insurance come about? How did, you know, how did the, you know, the pilgrims came about to America literally based on a, a private equity investment. Like they, it was literally a private equity structure that they had, you know, they came to it. So these kinds of, these kinds of advancements in human history have been um, predicated on these, you know, the ideas. So this book sort of promulgates these ideas around how do we th thoughtfully think and assess risk. So um, I think that is the premise for what we do here in real estate. And um, hopefully maybe that's one your listeners haven't heard before. Cool. Uh, I, I have never heard of it before. Yeah. So definitely a good uh, last question before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Sure. Three pillars of wealth creation. Um, I would say one, know your, know the facts. And by that, I mean, um, you, whether you are a college student with huge amounts of debt, whether you're a, you know, whether you're an advanced real estate, uh, 
person, know what your balance sheet is. Like take the time to go through and think about your life, not through an income statement, but through a balance sheet. What are the things that you own? What are the things that you owe? It really helps you sort of lay out a trajectory. If you want to build wealth, not just income, but build wealth, um, know the facts of your life. And it's amazing to me how few people have gone through the exercise of truly being honest about their balance sheet and what does that mean? Because once you lay out those facts, you could, there's a lot of things you can do with your balance sheet, ways you can make it better, ways that you can leverage it to grow, you know, things that you might not even be aware of. So one, know the facts of your current financial situation. And only by doing that do you have a metric for which you can grow uh, and build additional wealth. Um, two, find ways to scale by allowing others um, to do things that they're really good at. I learned this very early on in doing single family homes. Um, I was spending time painting and I was spending time, you know, doing this and that. And I was doing it because it was cheaper than paying someone to do it, but it wasn't the best use of my time. And so it wasn't until I allowed other people to do maintenance for me, even though it was expensive, they could do it better. They could do it faster. Um, I hired an accountant. I hired an attorney. I hired a handyman, I hired a property management firm. And so um, allowing the ability for your business to scale is contingent upon you letting go of a lot of these, uh, a lot of these pieces so it can free up um, your time. And I know a lot of investors who own a handful of duplexes, but they're never gonna expand because they don't have any time. They're too busy saving money, doing things themselves, right? Yeah. So uh, I'd say that's probably number two is allow um, some scale. And I think number three is find ways to, um, you know, number three is if, as you build wealth and income, find ways to give it away. You know, find it, have it, the, the privilege of wealth is not that you have it and earned it. The privilege is that you uh, have the ability to impact the organizations that are meaningful to you in your life, um, that you have a chance to sort of give. Um, and there's, there's a huge amounts of rewards for that. So as you build wealth, don't forget to share it. You know, don't forget to, to give it to the, the groups and people and help people along the way. Um, and as you do that, I think you will find that your, uh, the value of your wealth has a lot more personal meaning. Um, and I think you will, you will grow in wealth as well. Awesome. Awesome. Love them. So last thing is how can our listeners get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, my email is simply drew.witson at gmail.com. And maybe you can put that in the show notes. Um, you can just Google me as well. I'm, I'm on Bethel's website, um, but happy to get in touch with anyone who's um, um, interested in some of the markets we talked about. I'm interested in sort of being a passive investor. If the kinds of things that I have sort of exposed um, align to what your values are and maybe what your investment goals are, I'd love to talk to you about um, ways we could partner. Cool. Awesome. And, Drew, uh, we've got a conference coming up in September, September 20 and 21st. Drew, you're going to be there, um, be, you know, part part of the conference. So if anybody wants to, you know, check out and meet uh, Drew there, they they're definitely, uh, you know, would love to have you at the conference, and and you're going to be there, and I'm excited to have you. Uh, on Looking a, forward to it. Cool. Well, I appreciate you spending time with us and uh, adding a ton of value. Thank you. Appreciate it, Todd. All right. Take care. 
Hey, special thanks to Drew Whitson for joining us on the show and I appreciate him uh, giving a ton of value. Uh, listen back and take a couple things out of this episode. Drew's also going to be a speaker at our North Star Real Estate Conference. So make sure you've signed up for that. You can meet Drew there, introduce yourself, and he's going to add a ton of value uh, there as well. A few things I took from this episode uh, and a ton of stuff I, I really took. Uh, first of all, he talks about find ways to make money, not just for yourself, but how do you impact others? How do you impact the community you're involved in? How do you impact the neighborhoods and the tenants? Uh, and make sure you're finding ways to give back. Uh, he also talks about there's no substitute for taking action. And that's super important. Uh, we can continue to learn and grow, which is really important, but we've got to take action eventually. And, and quite frankly, learning and growing is taking action, but we've got to just continue to do that, continue to push on and not making excuses. And the last thing he talks about is building relationships and they're very powerful. Obviously, uh, relationships come in all kinds of forms. Um, but building relationships and making sure you add value to others. Again, appreciate it, Drew. Uh, take a couple things, take this episode and really apply it to yourself. Um, again, our conference, we'd love to have you there. We'd love to have you attend. It's NRE con or, yeah, nreconference.com. It's in the show notes. So take a look at it. nreconference.com. I'm Todd Dexammer. I am signing off. Make every day a Saturday. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go. Again, go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes. Give us a rating and review and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business and reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.